Hey guys, this is Joe Whitcomb with another episode of Reboot Your Relationship. And today we're going to be talking about attraction. How to make it, sustain it, create it, how to revive it. Um, so, how do we sustain attraction in your relationship over the long term? Because what we can you do if you no longer feel, let's say, the spark with your partner and that spark's gone out. Because we go through initially uh, different phases and stages of love and connection, a sense of belonging. So what can you do if your partner no longer feels attracted to you? So today, in today's episode, we're going to be covering the mysterious force that brings us together when it's there and sometimes tears us apart when it's not there. So attraction. And so we're going to be going over, I'm going to be talking a little bit about some of the research I've done with John Gottman, Sue Johnson, Terry Reel, um, other uh, people I've uh, had the pleasure and privilege and opportunity to train with, work with. So we're going to be looking at this throughout the podcast and bringing our conversations today to reveal to you some surprising and well-researched truths about what fuels a spark in your relationship. So we're going to dive into that today and hopefully this will give you some shared context, language, uh, even some tools um, and other perspective, a way of kind of working through this and understanding um, how attraction works and how we can, um, again, if you're feeling that sense of loss of attraction for your partner and or a disinterest or a disengagement, then this is a video, this is a uh, podcast for you. So here's the good news. The good news is, while most relationships do go through difficult times in which one or both partners can feel disconnected. And the good news is is that desire and connection can be rebuilt. And if you think about seasons and different things like that, every relationship goes through kind of that uh, first, the attraction, the intrigue stage, the forming stage, where the, the honeymoon part of the relationship and that attraction and that bond is extremely strong. And there's a there's a word for that. And if you look in uh, for a word, that's called limerence. There's a part of our brain that creates this attachment through the oxytocin, through uh, other, uh, which is also considered like the cuddle hormone. Or there's other ways of you know just attracting and feeling attracted to your partner, and but that's that early stage of forming the relationship again where there is a sense of uh, bonding and a sense of uh, novelty and interest and intrigue and uncertainty you know just that passion that can come in that early stage, and then we get into kind of more of a storming a disillusionment of the relationship where there's a loss of just who is this guy, who is this girl, who, are, who am I in relationship with? And that disillusionment can come from a lot of different areas of, let's say, lifestyle differences or value differences or personality differences and, and or other unique challenges that may arise in your relationship and not know how do we navigate through some of these things. And, and certainly, you know, um, hurt can come, but that disillusionment and the moving away from, let's say, the attachment bond, um, it's important to kind of look at where some of these attachment styles are shaped and formed 
and what may be going on there for you to or, or your partner and what you can do to take charge of your love to get that attraction back the play the fun the sexy the spontaneity um, being the playmates for each other's healthy child and then once you kind of work through that you get into more of the norming of your relationship which is now it's more about you're not just loving this person but there's an acceptance of some of those differences. you're championing and advocating for those differences rather than feeling that threat uh, being threatened by those differences or um, getting into that relationship where you're having more authentic deeper connection and joining in the truth and that's the intimacy of joining in the truth with love and logic love and connection uh, grace and truth all that stuff that makes it even more juicy and sexy and that takes time and experience to go through that and then you get into the stage of performing right now you're really all the cylinders are going but here's the thing what we're going to look at when you get into this store these forming storming norming performing most relationships go through these difficult times of storming which both partners can feel disconnected and the idea here is that the good news is, is that desire and connection can be rebuilt and this is almost always the case even after a major betrayal and that said well most couples can go from disinterest disillusionment disengagement to passion it's difficult to find desire from a place of disgust you know that place in your gut that you feel that disgust or that contempt and when there's that contempt and all that it's really really important that we get connected and understand where that may be coming from because when a person is repulsed let's say by another person's you know appearance or taste or smell there's not a lot you can do however if it is just the attraction was waned then there's much to rediscover and rekindle so we want to make some distinctions about that and really what are some things that you can do to take charge of your love and to create that connection so let me ask you this so if you're not quite feeling it are you not quite feeling it are you feeling it are you not feeling it because if you're experiencing let's say a lack of desire in a relationship does it seem like a the spark is dim it's because you go through that you know the first stage again of that it's kind of like this bonfire right this bonfire this flames and it feels like wow this passion and then it begins to sort of begin to uh, burn out kind of think of that fire kind of burning out and then you know declining and then you get into this uh, you know disintegration and eventually the fire goes out and that's the that part of losing that spark so how do we fan in the flame well we got to find some we got to get some wood here and start to put it back into the fire and so we got to figure out what it is it going to take to do that and so here's the thing research shows that when desire is missing it's due to the fact that one is not being responsive to their partner it's not as many assume because it, because it's caused by a deficiency in your partner rather than in yourself in some ways it's like the old mother's clip that if you're bored it's it's because you're boring <laughs> so it's it's like 
uh, curiosity begets curiosity, the more and more. So if you're bored, you know, maybe it's how do I bring more of that passion, aliveness and play into the relationship. So much of that we can experience in relationship is a reality of our own making. It's our own creation. It's our own co-creation, right? While this realization can feel daunting and even humbling, it's also the key to feeling empowered and remembering we're agents of our own change. And that's why I constantly use the phrase that you have the power and freedom to choose something different and to take charge of your love. And that means you gotta really show up. Um, one of the things I have couples do when they're looking at their partner, because they wanna have this epic love, this epic relationship, connection, this sense of belonging and growth and feeling this contribution is to really sit down and write out some very important questions for themselves. Like what do they want? What do they need? What can they live with? What they, can you not live with? What can you live without? What can you not live without? And write all those things down as clearly as you can to get as clear as you can about what is it that you desire. I need, so maybe it's something like, I need someone who's playful, adventurous, sexy, um, engaging, accessible, emotional, emotionally available, um, who will give me a hug when I walk in the door, will, who will listen and understand and validate my feelings. Whatever those things are, write it all down, write it all down, write it all down. Okay, get it all down on paper, okay? Because then the next thing I want you to do, okay, because this is what you want to have, and this is what I call your wish merger. This is a wish merger that you're trying to because you're looking for all those 20 stars in your partner, you know, and they, if they have all those 20 star, stars and they're lining up, ah, we're feeling connected, we're breathing, it's the oxygen, it's the food, you know, we're feeling that deep connection, right? But here's the question, we wanna have that. What I want you to do is take the time, look in the mirror and ask this one question. Am I being all that for my partner? Am I doing all that for my partner to have what I really want? Because if we're not being and doing, we can't have it either because then we're just kind of like putting that burden on the other person, the quid pro quo, that disconnection. And so we have to really look at ourselves because if, again, connection begets connection, the more and more. The more connection you have, the more you know, give, the more connection you have. Right? The more emotionally available you are, the more emotionally available your partner can be. The more playful you are, the more playful your partner can be. You know, And now you're playing with your healthy child rather than coming at it from your wounded child and looking to your partner to somehow meet all of those needs that are inside you. And But this is part of that co-creation. And co-creating is that part of us that we're bringing forth life, okay? So we understand there's a, there's a word out there called procreation, right? So procreation, and a lot of you go, procreation, isn't that about having sex and making babies? No, well, yes, but no, that's not the essence of procreating. Procreation is two powerful people bringing forth life into the world, bringing forth life. If you go back to Genesis, 
and the procreation, bringing forth life. And again, if we think about some of our origins, for those of you that have a spiritual faith and walk, and you think about God, you think about what he brought forth, his procreation, right? And it was from nothing, right? This nothingness, this void, this black void, this abyss where there was nothingness. And what's on the other side of nothing? Everything. From nothing, he created everything. And we are also co-creators and procreators of this to bring that life to one another, to fuel one another. And that's going to be where we need to begin to go because we need to be able to unpack this low desire and understand where this shutdown is coming from. You know, it's a decrease in the attraction to your partner should be viewed as a symptom, a symptom rather than a cause. You have to unpack the symptom of not being attracted and look at the anatomy of it. Because what's at the core root of this? What might be causing this reaction? And often it has to do with responsiveness and the following of these, this kind of trifecta trio of relationship dimensions. Because here's something I always say, you know, it, there are multiple dimensions co-occurring simultaneously and not one particular dimension can define the conflict or this loss of attraction because there's many, many moving parts and many fluid moving hearts and that fluidity in your relationship, the high tide, low tide and rip tide of all that begins to kind of diminish when we maybe have to manage some of these expectations in our relationship. Okay, to bring the love and logic, grace and truth to the relationship so that we're working through all that stuff together. But here it is. So the responsiveness is a the key to rekindling passion and connection in a relationship. That means if the responsiveness is a bi-directional flow, right? You're responding to somebody, you're either you're, you're, you're giving in response or you're receiving in that response. Love is freely given, freely received. And we look at um, that quote by Rumi. He says, our task here isn't to find love, it's here. It exists, it's everywhere. <laughs> our task is to find all the barriers that we've set against it, against love. So that responsiveness of being able to receive and doing that means the first thing we do is we build trust. And building trust is built through attunement and transparency, openness, honesty. And there should be no like hidden agendas or secrets. You've got to take care to see each other and to truly listen and understand and validate your partner's experience, their reality, because that's empathy. That's being seen. I see you and you see me and you're tuning in and you're receiving each other and each other's words with openness and you're listening reflectively with compassion versus being defensive. And Gottman talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse that can erode any relationship where you you are, there's a complaint and then there's this sense of defensiveness or withdrawal from the relationship. And when that doesn't work because this is eroding or, you know, the trust, 
which is built in these sliding door moments where you're either turning toward one another, turning away or turning against, and that is what's going to build it. So if it's turning away or against in your relationship, guess what's going to happen? You go to the contempt, you go to that disgust, and then you go and get into stonewalling and the silent treatment because that trust is continuing to you know, erode. So we have these, so just so you know, we have these two binary fixed positions. Okay, me, me, and are we, right? Me, you, and are we. And that third pole is the we. And to build trust is we're both always leaning into that couple bubble, into that leaning into that third pole so that we're building that trust with openness, honesty, vulnerability, courage, taking the mask of the masculine off, right? That's going to be really important. The other one is, second is building commitment. And that's the key to building commitment is to make positive comparisons to real or imagined alternatives. So you can build commitment by cherishing your partner and what you have to do by nurturing gratitude for what you both have together. And gratitude is such an important thing that you're grateful and you're seeing the innocence and not the guilt. Because when instead you do the opposite and you're making these negative comparisons and to real or imagined you know, alternatives, you begin on this pathway of nurturing this resentment for what it's missing in the relationship. Again, that wish merger, and you begin on this pathways towards betrayal. Come back, you know, this is where we have to come back often to gratitude and appreciation what is. But that commitment, right? So let's say on a table, right? There's this commitment, devotion, agreement right and i always say expectations without consent creates resentment so these are commitments these are agreements so let's say you have these four legs on a table right you have the emotional commitment devotion to one another the physical emotion uh, the physical commitment and devotion to one another the sexual commitment devotion to one another and the spiritual commitment or moral whatever that value is for your relationship to keep that intact so the emotional part, because the question for the emotional part is, you know, the $96 million question you hear me say all the time is, are you there for me? Can I count on you? Do you have my back? Do I matter? Am I important? Are you accessible, responsive, emotionally engaging? And if that's a yes, and that commitment is a felt sense, then you're moving closer and you're moving toward one another. But if you're coming back, if that is a no or a lot of uncertainty, that's going to begin to diminish your feeling of commitment and trust over time and erode that. And that begins to take uh, control precedence in the relationship when you're not feeling that emotional commitment. And again, going to the physical commitment, you know, do you feel safe with one another? Not just, again, emotionally safe, but also physically safe. That safety is what's going to open up hearts, you know, and the question again, do you have my back? Do I matter? Am I important? You know, if I'm sick, are you going to be there for me? If I'm hurt, okay, are you going to be there for me? If I'm going through something, are we there for one another? That commitment is extremely important. And I have so many stories about that. And we'll do, you can go back to my other podcast where I'm talking about this, uh, the love maps, being able to really attune, meaning being aware of your partner's emotional world and getting her world or getting his world and diving into that is really super important that you're able to do that. 
being honest and speaking the truth in love and being authentic with those emotions. Being able to not just speak it, but also hear it and be able to sit with that with one another. But coming back with gratitude and appreciation. So one of the things that is, you know, where we get into comparisons, I mean, we have positive comparisons, you know, we have negative comparisons. And negative comparisons is, you know, we're, we're you know, I always say comparisons is the thief of joy and the root of suffering. Because when we compare other people or other relationships or whatever that is, you know, it's kind of, it will destroy your relationship because of all these comparisons, whether it's to an ex or another relationship or someone else or uh, all these things that come back uh, because it comes back to that sense of gratitude and appreciation for what is in your relationship. And then the third thing here that we want to get into is building a physiological calm. Because building that physiological calm is a complex thing. And that helps you go back to that sex commitment, your sexual commitment, is that you feel that sense of safety, security, that secure base, because then you both know that you're there for one another, right? You can trust that. And that makes the sex great too, because there's that, you're not in this ambivalence and wondering and questioning, is my partner committed to me sexually and spiritually? But this is crucial, and that's the third leg of this table that makes relationships very solid, satisfying, sustainable. Because then you're finding mutual ways of relating to each other that are soothing and not arousing. And when you have your nervous, because when your nervous system is in that fight, flight, freeze, and you're stressed, and the cortisol's up, the adrenaline's up, the you know, all this other stuff is up and then the, and then the oxytocin, the cuddle hormones way down because that's getting shoved down underneath that. There's no way to really emotionally connect or be playful. But it's through this co-creation, this collaboration togetherness, you can create a mutual experience and be, have this mutual shared experience of co-regulation in which you can feel calm, playful and open, sexy. You know, and that's where the play and the fun has that comes into play because now you're able to open your hearts and your minds and to be in that space with your partner. And that brings back the attraction. Okay, the other thing is in this is being able to respond to your partner because this trifecta, this trio, say of attunement and commitment and calm needs to be constantly tended to. It's like your garden. You have to attend to the garden within you and between the two of you. Because there's three people here. There's you, me, and we. That third part of us, that third person. Because we gotta be sure that we're noticing, responding to your partner's needs and emotions because it takes, again, two powerful people, both accommodating, adjusting, leapfrogging up that mountain together and adjusting and you know really being in that space of co-creation where again you're building this shared contact shared language shared tools and then by actively cherishing your partner you actively build that passion so you don't wait for moments to emerge to notice each other you build these moments into your every day because you don't have to have like these monumental you know landmark moments even though those are wonderful 
It's those little tiny things that we're doing every moment of every day to contribute to and put that, you know, to stoke the fire, you know, to take charge of your love and to really be, you know, active. Think about when you first started dating. Think about when you first started. How did you show up and respond to your partner? Okay, that's what you both agree to in the relationship and to be able to sustain that. But sometimes pain comes, right? Pain comes. And so let me just kind of make a distinction here between hurt and harm, pain and suffering, right? So if you're hurt and there's betray and there's harm or there's betrayal or there's pain that goes to suffering and hurt that goes to harm and you're not doing anything about it, it's going to stay in this vicious cycle. And I want to encourage you to kind of think of it this way. So let's say you have hurt and pain, right? So let's say you break your leg. Ouch. Betrayal. That snap. Something happens, right? The, the, the leg breaks. And now you, because your leg breaks, it, there's hurt, there's pain. And what do we do? We go to the hospital. You go to your therapist. You go to, you know, your PT person, whatever, your chiropractor. You go to these people to... You know, and you get, then you have to go into the hospital and reset that bone, which is like, ah, if you ever had a broken bone, you know what I mean? It's like resetting that bone is very painful. It hurts. It's pain. And then you have to, you know, put on the cast and walk around in crutches for eight weeks until it heals. And then the bone is stronger where it's been broken, right? Okay. So that's important to kind of realize and to make this distinction because hurt and now harm, pain and suffering. So what's harm and suffering? That's when you choose to not go to the hospital, not get your leg reset. You let it kind of calcify and get fixed. And now you're walking with a gimp and probably two or three inches shorter and you're constantly in pain and suffering and you're harming yourself more in a relationship more by avoiding it, postponing it, shutting it down, you know, you know, making it so the, the relationship begins to, you know, fester, and and now you've got this serious uh, uh, kind of a pattern um, or a fixed way of being, and that becomes not just you know your way or his way or her way, but our way of being, and that begins to diminish attraction, connection, belonging, growth. So, getting into recovery and post-betrayal growth, okay? It's a good, the bad, the ugly. You're going to have good times. Relationships have good times, right? Good times. And then you have bad times. It's bad. But the bad doesn't have to stay bad. It can get back to good, right? Which is working through some of these things and we also get back into but let's say it goes into the ugly now the ugly is when you're working against any resolution restore repair reconciliation because there is no reparation back to good and stays in the ugly and maybe this has been a way of being for you from your family of origin where nothing ever got resolved nothing ever got healed there was no way of talking and expressing yourself and getting into a safe place, a secure base to talk about it. So that's one of the things when you come to me and you work with me, giving you that safe space, that secure base that we can all begin to work on. And again, I always tell people I don't pick sides. I'm always going to be on the side of the relationship.
relationship, that third pole, because you both have your curriculum here that you must work through to get into that, right? So growth and connection are possible even after the most difficult experiences that you have. Okay, so in this case, however, of trauma, and I deal a lot with trauma, which many affairs can create, this is trauma, because trust will not be rekindled unless the symptoms and effects of post-traumatic stress disorder or reordering are addressed. PTSD, PTSR, post-traumatic stress reordering of the relationship. PTSR, which I'm going to call it, which involves a constellation of symptoms and emotions in a natural reaction that occurs when someone's faced with an experience that overwhelms really our ability to really manage it in a regulated kind of way. So one of, uh, I work primarily as a trauma-informed relationship psychotherapist. I developed the relationship, uh, or the trauma-informed relationship psychotherapy method. And that model is when you have this mutual injury and this mutual trauma and what's going on here to address this. So partners who've been betrayed in whatever's been going on, whether it's a fair, there must be supportive process. And we go through these phases of getting you through this the, is the atonement, which is the undoing of all this fear and shame and return to love. And that's going to be hard because the person that's the offender, the person who had the affair, need, and the perpetrator needs to be able to listen openly and compassionately to their hurt partner and begin to create an emotional bridge, making that bridge. And that's going to take time. I know a lot of us and work with a lot of men and women who have uh, done the betrayal and they just want to smooth things over and say, it's okay, you know, I, I apologize, I confess, I shared my truth and, you know, just get over it. It doesn't work like that, guys. You just don't get over betrayal. There are many other things that occurred emotionally. Um, there's deception, there's lies, there's um, withholding. Uh, whether it's a, a physical, sexual affair, or emotional affair, all those things uh, can really truly betray the core, the trust. So the, what gets us into that emotional bridge here, so the atonement is number one. That's I'm taking 100% responsibility for 100% of my behaviors and my actions and the outcomes and how I've hurt you. And the atonement, the attunement here is going to strengthen the bridge and build trust by I'm here to help you listen to each other and navigate the conflict with non-judgment and non-reactivity. So you're really hearing each other and getting each other's world and to work through the accumulated regrettable instances that have not been processed in the relationship. Because this is stuff that you guys have buried deep. So once you go through the atonement and then the attunement, then we work on the attachment, which is now rebuilding the attachment system and investing in the relationship and committing each other daily and rebuilding through this responsiveness. This is really super important. Gotta keep it going. Gotta keep it going. So when we get into comparisons, okay, remember I said comparisons is the root of suffering a thief of joy and it's kind of like grass is greener you know down that cascade it's just 
because it's helpful to know that when you notice yourself, notice what you're noticing when you're making comparisons, you're already a ways down the cascade towards disconnection and even betrayal. You're, dissatisfi you're dissatisfied and dis disillusionment. Hey, this is true because you've likely been investing less in the relationship as you're protecting yourself by imagining the other, somebody else. And when you do so, when you're not open or willing to be vulnerable, and this leads to, to feeling unfulfilled and imagining the grass is greener always somewhere else. But you can do something about this. You can tune back in. You can truly listen. You can turn towards your partners, bid for connection. You know, as you invest more attention and intention in the relationship, you will begin to see your partner through fresher and more appreciative eyes before making the grass over there less green and inviting because this is what occurs. Okay? we got to look at our own patterns and we're running our own pattern where maybe in our relationships we've idealized our partner in the beginning. We valued them. But then something happens and then you devalue and reject and then eventually dispose of them. So if that is a pattern in your life, we have to be able to look at your own attachment style, whether it's avoidant or ambivalent or whatever these attachment styles are that you keep running this pattern of ambivalence or avoidance or anxious, insecure. It's never enough. Again, that wish merger for something more, right? Because when we start experiencing the other person's, let's say, limitation or lack, we get uninspired and we turn away. Right? Or we get angry. And this is where we have to really begin to have these dialogues to reboot your relationship, to get back in there. We have to, again, keep stoking the fire because that incredible sense of being in love does not have an expiration date or a shelf life. I mean, if you look at people that have been really investors and givers in the relationship, and these are two givers, you can keep that spark going indefinitely. I've seen it in other relationships. Because research shows that couples who have vibrant and fulfilling sex lives are continuously incorporating you know, certain actions and behaviors. And this is really important that you guys are in your couple bubble, that you're in your couple bubble and you're doing your part. And so here's some things that you can do, right? Every day, every day. Say, I love you every day and mean it. Look in your partner's eyes and mean it. Like, I love you. I see you every day and mean it. Walk in the door. I know you're stressed. I know you're overwhelmed. You're busy at work. Okay? But in this couple bubble, it's you, the two of you, leapfrogging up this. You're the two most important people in this world. Another one is you can kiss one another passionately for no reason at all, for six seconds at least. So you have that moment of connection. How long does it take? Six seconds. Six seconds. That's it. Another thing in thinking about your love languages, right? Physical touch, uh, emotional engagement, conversational, recreational companionship. Thinking about the uh, conversations, leaning in, you know, gift giving, acts of service, 
all those things that, you know, giving each other surprise romantic gifts and give compliments on a regular basis, you know, and if you're not someone that is good at giving gifts or compliments, well, guess what? That's your curriculum. That's what you're here to grow in, right? We're all here to grow and expand and, and learn how to love, not the way we need to be loved, but the way our partner needs to be loved. And that's an important thing. And I see this happen all the time. So if your partner loves, you know, milk chocolate and, uh, you know, peanuts and caramel, you know, from, uh, you know, the chocolate store, and you bring home white chocolate with raisins and walnuts because you love them, well, that's not, that's not really loving them the way they need to be loved, right? You think, well, I love it. Well, that's not love. That's, that's selfish love, right? That's, you know, that's you. It has nothing to do with them. So getting to know, right, each other, but also the next thing is know what turns your partner on and, and off erotically and, and have a love map. And we're going to talk a little bit about love maps later, but love maps basically are knowing each other's dreams and fears and wants and needs and longings and, and what that means in your relationship. That's so important. And then being physically affectionate, even in public, and that's that... <laughs> A lot of us don't like PDA, but public display of affection. But again, this is about you and your partner, keeping the play and having fun together. Again, maybe another thing is cuddling off and, you know, get away to, you know, that's the gateway to having great sex. Because when you cuddle, it releases the oxytocin in your body, the cuddle hormone, and it softens and soothes in funny ways to cuddle while you're watching a movie or you know, um, you know, at the park or somewhere where you're really able to connect, right? Now, another thing is make sex a priority. It's, you know, the research shows three to four times a week, you know, minimum, you know, to keep that, you know, attachment, connection, attraction alive, right? Um, another thing is just staying good friends, you know, being friends and, uh, you know, and loving each other like friends and not just loving your partner, but liking your partner. Find ways to like your partner. And then talk comfortably about your sex life and get into and talk about what you want to do and have these weekly romantic dates and take romantic vacations, you know, and make the time. Take Make it a priority. And make sure you're turning towards your partner's bid for connection. So when your partner's saying, hey, let's talk, you're putting everything down and you're focusing and, you know, and you know, if you're out at a restaurant and you have a habit of being on the phone and you're disconnected, you know, where I, what I say is where there's misery, make a rule. Put the phone down. Don't bring it with you. Turn it off. That's your time. Right? This is not rocket surgery, but it is brain science. So put that on the list of your refrigerator. Celebrate it and become this expert at it and make it your own, right? Find a way to make that your own and stay mindful that courtship does not end and dating doesn't end when you say I do. And this vibrant and fulfilling shared lives requires a trust-building commitment. Building gestures occur daily. So choose your partner every day. That's a choice. And remind them time and time again that you're the one you choose and they're the love of your life, right? This is really important super super important okay because if you've lost attraction if you've lost the attraction attraction can be lost again for many reasons 
And one of the many reasons that people have gotten caught in this negative emotion dance and they are fe left feeling exhausted, abandoned, and rejected, this can be really painful for you guys. And that people start to feel helpless or hopeless or powerless. And they begin to grieve and give up. And the grieving and denial and depression and anger and bargaining. And you get into all that. And when people say they've fallen out of love or what they aren't attracted to their partner, what they're really often trying to say is, is but they don't know how to is more like this. It's like our dynamics have left me feeling overwhelmed and lonely. And so I've detached more and more. And now I'm feeling, not feeling the attraction. And if you're feeling less attracted to your partner, ask yourself if perhaps you are caught in a dance of disconnection rather than connection. Again, the more and more. The more connection you have, the more connection you feel, the more disconnected you are, the more disconnected you feel. It's the need, fear, dilemma. I need connection, but I fear the disconnection. But instead of meeting your need, you're chasing the fear. Bring it to your needs. Okay. The next thing is, you know, pull, you know, pulling your partner towards you. And that attraction is about much more than just sexuality. You're having non-sexual touch. Well, I'm getting up in the morning. Go to your partner. Put your hand in the small of the back. Kiss them on the neck. Or give them a hug. Right? Or if you're at a party, one of the things I do, you know, find your, you know, walk in with the intention. You beeline over to your partner. You put your hand on the small of their back again. Give them a kiss on the neck. Check in. Ask them, hey, do you want some punch? you want some food? What can I do to serve, love and serve you? Right? You serve your partner. Right? And then you check in during the party. You don't abandon your partner. You keep checking in. Join in in the conversations. Okay? But attraction's more than just sexual. Attraction's being pulled towards someone. We're drawn in by the presence, their openness, their responsiveness. Because attraction develops from how we engage with each other. And it makes sense that when we begin to pull away or distance from our partner, whether it's frustration or protection, we don't feel as drawn to them sexually. Okay, it begins to shut that down. Right? Because this again, you have the power. Let me remind you and say this to yourself every day. Okay, you have the power and freedom to choose something different than what you've been doing to take charge of your love. Because otherwise, disconnection happens, you know, but it does happen in all relationships. And that feeling disconnected and then losing a sense of attraction happens often. And the key here is not to avoid this, but rather to know how to turn it back on. To turn it back on. To turn that switch on. Okay? It doesn't have to be an on or off switch or black and white, all or nothing. You can use a dimmer switch to kind of turn it back up. You know, kind of starts, to, this is where you have the power and freedom to choose. It's not that happy couples don't fight or get disconnected. Of course not. It's... It is, they need to know how to turn towards each other and feel safe enough together to risk reaching and re-engaging with each other. And that's a skill. You know, as you're pulling your partner in, what do you do to help pull your partner towards you? How do you help make them feel safe and connected? Okay, instead of deferring to them and waiting for them, my hope is that, you know, both of you are really committed to that 
pulling towards the openness and receptiveness are part of the basis of building these secure bonds and that can help put your partner at ease and relax the nervous system and get you because you know that risk of being vulnerable by sharing how you feel with transparency and responsibility you just don't want to be transparent speaking your truth without love or speaking you know love without logic you got to bring both of those in for example instead of saying why don't you talk to me anymore you know which turns off their attention neurons attraction neurons because it's a threatening you know way of saying it you know you're not paying attention to me all right okay i get it you know or maybe try on you know i was realizing today that i've been having this longing for us to talk the way we used to i have this longing just to feel you close to me and to know that I have your attention, and it's scary for me when I feel this distance between us. Can you hear and feel the difference? There's a different feel, this even a corrective emotional experience that pulls your partner towards you rather than pushing them away, right? That, that, that push and pull that you can feel, that symmetry, that polarization, right? Pulling them towards you rather than polarizing. So again, this is about allowing yourself to admit your feelings vulnerably using the, you know, as we always talk about those I statements, that's going to draw your partner, you know, closer to you, you know, and they'll be more curious and compassionate rather than defensive. Okay. Because how you set the table and how you lay it on down and how you uh, engage, you know, it's softening the engagement rather than from being charged and threatened. Because then you can even allow yourself to share with them that you're feeling confused and you don't know what to do about the fact that you feel less attracted to them. Right now you're having a real authentic conversation in a non-threatening way. And I get out of the house, do something, you know, where you can have this conversation, but you're committed to really sharing this way. And it can allow the two of you to heal, you know, each other and learn from each other so you can reconnect and this alone usually solves the problems. But you got to realize you both have your own curriculum here, whether whatever that is, because here it is. If this open dialogue, let me just say this, is really a new way of communicating for you guys, you have to be really patient. And really don't expect your partner to respond in new ways immediately. Now I say the power of one. It only takes one person to change the rhythm of this dance because... Again, you've trained each other how to treat each other, you know, over a period of time. So if even if they don't get it the first time, you know, with repetition, your nervous system will pick up the fact that you're coming from a loving place rather than a bla blaming one. We get in that complain, defend, complain, defend pattern to get out of that vicious cycle, right? and have a corrective emotional experience. And sometimes it takes doing this like 20, 30 times. And if you're feeling stuck and in the gridlock and you can't get beyond that, you know, come see me or talk to me and we'll walk you through it, you know, walk you through the nebulous storm there so you can find a way to feel safe and communicate what you really need, right? Because love can be a very safe, a safe adventure. Right? It can be really, you're both leapfrogging up that mountain, you know, and you can think of, you know, okay, think of ways like babies pull us towards them. You know, the wide eyes and the outstretched hands, the cooing. And then, you know, and then think about how you cannot 
respond and engage. Because this emotional dance of responsiveness and responsiveness and let's say the synchronicity, the attunement is intoxicating and can lead both of you towards moving towards one another in rewarding moments in life, right? Because think of it as like this negative cycle that you can get into because uh, without love, let's say, she's going to react and respond without respect or admiration, right? And without respect or admiration, he reacts and responds without love. And you get in this de-energizing vicious cycle, this de-energizing cycle that kind of tears you apart over time. Okay, because I want you to think about this, guys, men, and, I, and this is, I'm kind of being stereotypical here because it's, everybody needs these, you know, ingredients to love, love and respect and admiration and all that. But let's say for a woman, um, her deepest psychic craving is that she needs to feel loved, cherished, safe, protected, secure, right? And to do nothing to erode her need for that sense of love and connection, belonging, and security to feel safe, right? So guys, that's your curriculum, right? To do everything you can to really attune to her emotional world, okay? And ladies, women, again, I know you need this too, but for men, this is probably one of their deepest psychic cravings, I know it is for me, is that, you know, as a man, is that our productivity and our thoughts are validated, respected, and, and seen and gotten, right? And that's an important part and that he's able to feel like he's, he's, you know, you see his strength and his power, right? And you, you know, you, you cherish that, you know, but you're cherishing and valuing those types of things because, because now you have this synergistic thing and finding those moments with your partner will re-engage you and, 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 and instead of shutting you down. But again, going back to that, you know, cycle. So the more that she feels that love and connection, belonging and safety, security, the more she responds and is motivated to respond with respect and admiration and encouragement. And the more that he feels that, the more she feels and the more you, he's gonna, you feel love and connection, belonging and, and going through all that because that's super important for you too, right? And then you get in this positive, energizing cycle. The more you love, the more respect, the more and more, the more respect and admiration, the more love. Again, I know a lot of you people don't like respect, but we gotta respect one another. We gotta create that environment of love and respect and adoration. And not that we're demanding that, but we earn that. And that's the atmosphere and the, um, the environment of love and respect, right? And they're both leaning in to create that. Because when we are wired to feel, because we're wired to feel this love and this thrill when we're reached for. Because reaching can look like many different things, you know. Everything from asking your partner to engage in a project or an adventure or a task or a moment, you know, sharing courageously and vulnerably and openly in a way that, you know, you feel trusted. Because that couple bubble is super important that that's your sacred holy space. Because, or even asking a partner to help you with something and letting them feel needed, right? Because relationships that cultivate connection, getting in the garden and really pulling out the weeds and you know, working with the garden, the flowers, the trees, can, when you have that connections, 
relationship stride because you feel that you have this, you know, the safety needed for play and new possibilities of intimacy. And, and again, intimacy is joining in the truth with love and safety and play. Okay. Being present, not perfect, is part of that, being present, because thankfully you don't need to be perfect in love, okay? You can be perfectly imperfect. You're going to blow it. You're gonna have, in fact, you can mess up often as long as you're dedicated to creating repairs after you have a rupture, okay? Because you do have ruptures, and you'll have a rupture of trust. You'll have ruptures and pop the cup of bubble, and the, pop, the bubble pops, and ah! So now in order to work through these fears... Okay, which are so often present in our relationships when it comes to conflict and disconnection, because fears of not being good enough or not knowing how, that powerlessness. So again, try taking on this mantra. I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be present. And in that presence, I have the power and freedom to choose something different and to take charge of my love. But it doesn't, again, have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Okay. See each other's innocence and not your guilt. Try to see and try not to bring your wounded child to the party, but your healthy child and go play. Go play. Okay? Okay. So lastly, you know, really giving attention to grow attraction where it is intentional because attraction fades when there's not enough attention and attuning being given to the relationship. So don't let your relationship run on empty. Find ways daily to fill up your tank, to fuel the fire, to fan in the flame you know, by giving each other time and attention, you know, finding your love maps, which we'll talk more about later. You know, do things together. Create that recreational companionship. Be together. Love up on each other. You know, find those ways to really bring to play the recreational companionship. You know, go through. And so there are some lists you can sit down and figure out what do you love to do together. You know, do an inventory or do another dream board or vision board and find those shared, you know, experiences that you want to create. Be that collector of the experience itself and bring that into this procreation, this co-creation of bringing life and pouring life into one another. All right. Well, guys, you can certainly contact me, call me, email me, um, you know, call me at 310-560-0726. 3105600726. You can jump into my Reboot Relationship Couples Intensives or workshops, seminars. We got a bunch of stuff coming up in 2020 and more of these podcasts for you so you can move through and stay connected, stay, you know, bring that attraction back to your relationships. Uh, you can email me too at joe at rebuildingconnection.com and you can find me at Facebook under Joe Whitcomb or Reboot Your relationship and thanks guys we're going to keep making 2020 you know and this is february it's love month it's valentine's you know weekend and valentine's day can be every day it doesn't have to be just on the 14th you can create this attraction all the time when you are committed to moving through that together all right thank you make this your best day Oh, lastly, this thing I do is so others may live and love well. See you next time.